Okay, ready to talk about Star Trek? All the Star Trek. Yes. Star Trek! You finally watched Lower Decks. I'm so excited. Let's do this! Welcome, dear listener, to the QQ Cast. Today is Wednesday, May fourth, twenty twenty-two. We're your hosts, Pod, Zach Mayer, and where's Ruli? He's gone forever. He fell into because... a void. <laughs> well, he's trying to avoid us talking about Star Trek. Yeah, that was, no, that's that was a joke. Yeah, it's not wrong though. Yeah, and this, dear listener, is Quest Two sixty-eight. What do we think of the Bronze Age of Star Trek? So. Zach, they they do the ages for comics, right? Uh, So you have the Platinum Age, which was, I have the numbers here, 1897 through 1938. Then you have the Golden Age, which is 38 through 56. You have the Bronze Age, which is 70 through 85. And then you have the Modern Age, 85 till now. So basically, literally the exact amount of time we've been alive. Um, So I was thinking about this, and I was like, hey... If TOS is Platinum Age, and TNG is the Golden Age, and then I'm I'm kind of saying the Abrams movies were the Silver Age. I don't know if we're still in that, or if we've now transitioned into Kurtzman, or this is just all the Silver Age. So we're either mm. in Silver or Bronze. What? Do, which Which do you think we are in? I uh, yeah, I guess Silver counts. Um, do you separate the movies from the current Kurtzman stuff? I, I kind of do, because, like, one's the Calvin timeline. There was these movies. They're all on their own for the early 2010s. I yeah, just, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. But, like, Kurtzman has always had kind of one finger on the wheel. Yes, you're correct. So it still feels Ooh, like his influence is... I'm not going to say it's overpowering, like, some kind of stench... Yeah, but it's there <laughs> in the background. Ah, yeah. uh, okay, you know what? Let's let's change this. Uh, welcome to your listener to Quest Two Sixty Eight. What do we think of the Silver Age of Star Trek? We'll we'll say it's fucking silver. Um, silver, not silver and gold. I'll tell you that. So cool, uh, Zach. I wanted to talk about Lower Decks, a little bit about Picard, a little bit about Stranger Things, since that's premiering this week. Stranger Things. <laughs> Yeah. Strange new worlds. Uh, strange yeah. new worlds. Um, and then we can get to the news. I have one thing to talk about in the news. So, before we begin, a brief digression. A seven-year-old video that I had never seen, and I still haven't seen, so I think we need to watch together on mic. Oh, yeah? Okay. I'm in. So, since this is May the 4th, and we are recording on Star Wars Day... Uh, this is Tim Russ, i.e. Tuvok, explaining May the 4th to us. It's a 70-year-old video. I've never seen it. So oh, yeah. This seemed fortuitous. This actually came up in my news feed earlier, and I was busy, but I meant to come back to it. So, right. excellent. We're, we're going to watch it together. Three minutes. All right. Uh, All right. Ready? Yep. Play. Wow, that is one heck of an intro. May the 4th be with you. Now, you've probably heard that quite a bit on Twitter or at the office today, but what does it mean? Why Did we go to the office today? <laughs> no. Remote, baby. Star Wars Day. You see, May the 4th celebrates a movie called The Star Wars. In The Star Wars, the, <laughs> the Force is a powerful Wars. energy that binds the galaxy together. Now, using the 4th, 
powerful magicians called the fourth. Space Druids. Are able space to space things, Druids. <laughs> he doesn't look Druish. <laughs> this is so beautiful. Well, May the 4th is Star Wars' birthday. So when you say, may the 4th be with you, you're really saying, happy birthday, the Star Wars. But what the is Star a Star Wars? Wars? A Star War is like a regular <laughs> war, only instead of bullets, it's got lasers. And in the Star Wars, there is only one Star War, but it is a doozy. You see, Dark Vader, the bad guy, <laughs> hates Luke Skywalker because he is his son. Sounds like a bad dad, if you ask me. Because he's so mad at his son. Oh my god. A giant ball that can blow up Earth. Luke and his friends, Obi, Hans, Robot, Hans. and Chewbacca, accidentally find the ball Chewbacca. and realize that's no moon. It's a death ball. It's a death <laughs> ball. So they go inside it. And guess who's there? Dark Vader and his boss, the garbage octopus. And his friends. All save the girl character and try to leave, but not before Dark Vader turns Obi into laundry. Luke is sad and realizes there's only one thing to do. Get in his X thing and kill everyone on the death ball. Luke <laughs> gets his head blown off, so Luke uses the fourth to put a laser in the death ball's hole. I have nothing <laughs> to add, it's so good. <laughs> they won! Outstanding. Outstanding. Luke even gives the humans a medal. But not Pill. Sorry, Pill. And that's the end of the Star Wars. <laughs> No, just kidding. <laughs> they made a bunch more of them. Featuring everyone's favorite characters, Fatty the Slug, Ed Harris. <laughs> Ed Harris. Also, did you know that Jar Jar Binks was from the Star Wars? I always thought he was just a great comedian. Well, <laughs> that's all the time we have. Hopefully now you have a comprehensive understanding of the Star Wars. Join me next week when I'll be explaining the Steven Spielberg classic, Dinosaur Island. <laughs> be with you. <laughs> oh. Okay, that was well. That was really good. That was highly worth all of the time. That was ridiculously good. Okay, wow. Oh, uh, you know the irony, by the way, is Tim Russ's. Um, he, he had an acting career prior to Voyager, but his probably his most well-known appearance was in a parody of Star Wars. You know what I'm referring to? Uh, yeah, he was in um, Spaceballs. Yes, as the man who said, "We ain't found shit." Uh iconic i know so good so good okay zach with that brief digression out of the way let's talk a little bit about lower decks there are now two seasons of lower decks it is the animated kind of comedic star trek show and i gotta say you were right it's awesome russell if you ever listen to this you were fucking right it's fucking awesome how is it that the comedic animated not it's certainly not a kids show um is what seems to be carrying the as we defined it the golden age torch how is that what the fuck that's crazy because this is so so tng ds9 voyager um the characters are making cameos the art and the design is and all the aliens everything is tng as fuck so uh yeah i don't know we don't have to do the qq review bullshit like what is what is your thoughts on lower decks uh i got a, i got a couple jotted down but i'm just floored by how unbelievably tng this is well all the other modern star treks even the fucking sequel to to tng which we'll talk about is not this is crazy to me Hmm. well um tng got a sequel we'll talk about it uh, uh yeah so the thing that does it for me is you know our, our media landscape evolves it changes you know tastes change audience 
audiences change and the style of direction that we've been getting from shows in general is not super inconsistent with what we're getting from the call it mainline silver age star trek shows today um so i don't think that's necessarily a good or a bad thing it's just different that said Lower By the decks. way, I, I agree with you that it's not necessarily a good or a bad thing. I just don't like the quality of writing on sure. the new Star Trek shows. And we'll talk about that. But yeah. the fact that it's different, the fact that the Klingons look different, it, th- these things are fine. Uh, yeah. These things are not the issue. Which, er- which era it takes place in, these are not the issue. Mm-hmm. But, okay, go on about Lower Decks. So, the uh, the thing that's fun about Lower Decks is that it is a callback. Like, in almost every way, and often explicitly uh to the way that star trek was presented and it's a format that feels much more um suitable for animation now with the change in taste and direction that we've seen everywhere else like the episodic uh just wackiness of star trek that we saw i mean you can probably point to specific episodes uh as being just kind of even out there for star trek and it just has such a more comfortable place in animation. And the comedy aspect of it is great because it doesn't even pretend to take itself seriously. No, right? not remotely. And how could it when you have giant Spock skeleton floating in one of the episodes? <laughs> um, it's just so much fun. And it captures that kind of like weird optimism by being that fun that, yeah, it just it feels like Star Trek in a really good way. Yeah, no, it, it, I was actually I, I was going to talk about the optimism and um, let's just fuck it. Let's just jump to that right away is it, it uses that almost as a punchline, especially in the first first half of the first season where like one of the characters is, is moving between departments and he thinks everyone's going to be mad at him. And they're all like, yeah, good for you. It's a go child. Go follow your passion. Uh, and Tildy and um, Rutherford are just complete nerds. Complete nerd is Boiler, complete nerd, but mm-hmm. they love what they're doing. They are basically, honestly, the, they're, they're cartoons, literally and metaphorically, but they're upholding the that kind of Roddenberry ideal future. And again, let's let's leave aside the controversy of Gene Roddenberry. Let's leave aside the Big Bird of the Galaxy documentary that that, as we define it, Roddenberry optimistic future. Um, they're upholding it. And it's yeah. it's just fun to watch characters that don't fucking hate each other. Well, and they what's just great about that, fun. yeah, what's great about that is that they are fun. They have fun with that nerdiness without making fun of it, right? And it's it, it definitely is that kind of optimist sort of vision for what we all could be if we just kind of let people enjoy things, right? <laughs> Ironically, mean, we're talking about Star Trek right now. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's such a it, it's such a natural thing to want to. You know, in in the absence of other things to own, uh, you know, the media that you consume or uh, the games that you play is like, oh, I played it before it was cool. Music, that's the classic thing. The the hipster, oh, you wouldn't have heard of it. Um, you know, when you do that and you want to just kind of own that thing as being, you know, a kind of intrinsic part of your your personality, what you relate to. And then seeing other people who like it but don't quote unquote appreciate it the same way, it makes you mad. And you go onto comment boards and you yell, ah, oh, you're not a real fan. It's just like, well, shut up. 
let people enjoy things. Uh, they give me that vibe. Like, all the characters in that show are very much into letting people enjoy things, and that's what makes it nice. Like, there's there's what we could... There's, there's how we could interact with yeah. the rest of our world. Uh, and then there's Mariner. <laughs> and then there's Mariner. <laughs> Who is fun in her own right. Like, she's uh, kind of the counter to all of it. Uh, very Which is much beautiful. She's the, she's the foil to the series. She's not the foil. Yeah. She's the foil to the characters kind of by, by definition. But mm-hmm. she's literally the foil to the whole fucking series. What if someone was that future... Uh, it is literally a Mary Sue. And again, it, it's mm. it, they're doing that intentionally. Mm-hmm. Where she's good at everything. She has the flip-on switch. But she doesn't like any of this. She doesn't mm-hmm. want it. Um, and so she is this juxtaposition of the Federation officer. And that that is what basically creates the conflict for every episode, which is great. Because she doesn't do it out of hate or spite. It's just kind of wonderful. No, she's just kind of bored. Uh <laughs> and it is fun because, like you said, she's a foil for almost everything in the in the show, in the whole series, and she's also like the main character. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think the whole thing is really well put together, and I think it it m- makes fun of the things that you can make fun of without punching down on, and it uh, elevates the good parts, the idealistic parts of you know, kind of the core Star Trekness in ways that are fun without making fun. Yeah, basically, it, it's embracing it. I, mm-hmm. I don't think it's making fun of Trek. It is putting a spotlight on the absurdity, but without, like you said, talking down to it. Um, it's like, oh, this is absurd, but that'd be really fun, right? Like, yeah, uh, it's fucking great. And they again, they just do these great things like the pack lids, the the most embarrassing terrible stupid you know uh adversary and that's saying a lot in tng um are now someone's been arming them with weapons don't tell me if there's a spoiler at the end of season two um and and they're like one of the big bad villains and again as a tng fan you're like that's absurd that's hilarious but they're not making fun of it they're well they're making fun of it like in a gentle way where they're like no what if what if people gave these idiots really powerful weapons um and that's just it's a simple concept and it is using TNG lore, and it's funny if you know what it is. And if you don't know what it is, it doesn't take anything away from you. They're just like, man, these guys sound dumb. Um, so it's just, it's kind of wonderful. It's just kind of using all those elements. Mm-hmm. Um, although I, I think this is an opportunity to segue into, uh, I really only have two criticisms, to be honest, of, of Lower Decks so far. Not to say that it's a perfect show, but my two criticisms sure. would be, and we'll start with this one, it relies so heavily on fan service which I'm fucking cool with. I am fucking down. I am fucking enjoying it. But it, it relies entirely on fan service. And as much as I say that's a weakness, because I think it would prevent new people from getting into it, it's also a strength, because dear Lord, it is just like, did, did you like Golden Age Star Trek? Then man, have we got a show for you. It's and I so think it, much fun. And it's so it much fun because it it just sets out to do that, right? Like you see the fan service that comes along in all of the... the I, I'm just going to keep calling him Silver Age stuff. Um, the new Trek. It's like, ah, oh, come on, guys. If you're going to do something new, do something new. Don't, like, try and ride coattails. And Lower Decks doesn't have coattails to ride. Or at least they're saying, hey, check out my coattails it, it from the very beginning. It uses springboard, yeah. is what I would say. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, which is which is fun, and I think you get that kind of leeway with animation in general, or well, not animation, animation with comedy. comedy. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's fine. Like when it's meant to be in good fun, and it's obvious, uh, and it's not out of, uh, or I guess off tone from the rest of what you're trying to do, it's perfect. Yep, yep definitely. Yeah, and so th- this is where I would use this again to, to bring up my second criticism, where. Uh, th- like all Star Trek shows, it takes a, a little tiny bit to find its footing. In this case, most shows take like upwards of two seasons to find their damn footing. Lower Decks took a couple of episodes to find its footing. I would tell you the first half of season one is the weakest by far. And then by the time they hit season two, they are just in their stride. They're in their thing. Um, yep. And I would say that the weakness of the first uh, several episodes is it was trying, I felt, to be Rick and Morty. Um making up new aliens and making up new weird things and just making like, you know, kind of not gross out humor, but whatever. And then it ends up realizing, hey, you know what? We don't need to make up a, a gleep gloop or a, you know, a, a flip flop or a whatever, some weird alien of the week, because we have fucking Star Trek. We, we have a billion things that we could springboard off of without making up some new weird thing. And I think they lean into the fan service. And again, they use that as the springboard for for what they're doing. And I think that actually, again, turns into a strength. It is, it, it, again, technically, I want to put it as weakness because it, it's super dependent on the old stuff, but it's kind of point. But again, I think once it learns to lean into it, it kind of, that's when it gets a lot stronger than the opening episodes where I think they were a little too fast, a little too Rick and Morty, uh, just trying a little too hard. And I honestly, it, it, it really hits a stride real fucking fast. Yeah, to me, episode three was the beard growth episode. Yeah, basically, really, yeah. Um, it's like the first two were written as like a pilot that they didn't know what they were doing yet. Yeah, and like, sure, you got to introduce characters and you got to have, you know, uh, a little bit of break-in time. That's fine. Everybody kind of expects that. But, I mean, episode three was a legitimate Star Trek episode. Like, they had a point, and it was hilarious. Hilariously made point. Um, yeah, it was the... Uh, I think it was the rule following, and uh, uh, what was it? <sighs> buffer time. Oh, buffer time. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. So uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, this is yeah. Th- this is something that Scotty even said explicitly in the Next Generation at one point. It was like, never let them know what you can do, or they'll expect it all the time. <laughs> um, they took you didn't that. tell them what it'll really take, did you? Yeah. No, they took that and made it absurd. And in that, there's. You know, uh, there's not a moral, but there's there's something to learn from. And that's the whole point of Star Trek is exploring shit like that in science fiction. And in this yeah. case, animation and comedy. Well, and, and the relax and enjoy yourself. We're software yeah. engineers. And, you know, you, you can't work people with insane crunch and overtime. They burn out. They don't do their best work. 100%. So, yeah. So they, they take a Star Trek reference. They springboard off of it. They take it to its absolute extreme. But it does when it's done have a point this is classic track how sad is it we're saying that about an animated yeah. comedy no it is and also the stinger was perfect oh uh, god that was so good <laughs> the most important man at starfleet ah uh, so good chief miles edwards o'brien <laughs> fucking beautiful just fucking beautiful yep uh yeah no there was an interview i saw of Cole meany uh, he hadn't seen any of the lower decks by that point and they asked him, you know, what he thought of his of his uh, mention in the show. And they showed him the little, like, you know, twenty second or whatever it is clip. He's like, "It's about damn time." Ah, so good. Yep. But yeah, no, it, it's 
it's very good. That was the episode that did it for me, and I was like, I kind of was enjoying it and still like giving it a chance in the first couple, but after that, I was just like, nope, I'm I'm gonna watch this no matter what they do at this point. Okay, so I got I got a few more notes here, and let's use that the Colin Meany reference to segue into the cameos. Of course, uh, minor spoiler: Riker and the Titans mm-hmm. show up at the end of season one, and that that segues into season two. Uh, Marina Sirtis also guest stars. Um, again. This is very fan service, but it worked in the story, and it works as a little mini cliffhanger with Boiler going off, and it works as a, when Boiler goes off, it callbacks into the opening of the season, and then of course they have the hilarious reference to Thomas Riker as sending Boiler back to the the Cerritos, uh, or the Cerritos, sorry, the beginning of the it, It's beautiful fan service, and one of the things I want to acknowledge here, and again, I, I don't know, you can, you could argue this is juvenile. And and fine, this is science fiction, this is comfort food, this is escapism, but I'm so happy we get to see William, Captain William fucking Riker on the Titan, being a badass, getting to see our heroes be fucking heroes, as opposed to, and I'm going to pick on Picard later, retired in the woods making pizza. Like, I want to see my heroes being fucking heroes and they're just cameos and you could argue well it's not as good character growth but fine i don't want to see luke skywalker being depressed i want to see him as this paragon of virtue i want to see riker as this badass captain who's gonna save the fucking day (laughs) we get it on lower decks yep well and picard sort of yes watch (laughs) seeing jonathan frakes in that chair for 30 seconds was the highlight of of the whole Picard series, I would tell you, actually. Oh, yeah, um, season one, definitely. Yeah. Um, I've really liked season two. People say it's not as good as season one, but Oh, I then disagree. we are going to disagree so hard coming up. Good. 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 <laughs> good. <laughs> Fucking All right. great. Uh, lower Decks, I have, I have two more things to say. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add with Lower Decks? Uh... I mean, if you've got more to say, it's probably going to overlap with anything I would add. So go for it. Well, I, I want to talk about the animation. Um, so we all know that there was the show uh, Star Trek, the animated series. And one of the things that was not a great show, but one of the things that it did do is it leaned into, as best it could with like a 1960s budget, it leaned into using animation to do things they could never have done in the live action show. Having a few more alien designs, like an alien on the bridge and... Um, you know, the, the crew shrinking or getting bigger or fighting, you know, going to space stations that look weird. They, you know, they couldn't do that with cardboard sets in the 60s. And they lean into that in the, t- uh, in the animated show. And man, Lower Decks just picks up that torch and runs with it. They do so much stuff with the animation. You just, it would be so expensive to do in live action. And I'm so happy to see them lean into it the worlds look alien when they're destroying starships they're they're fucking destroying them especially the one where like the crystals are, are uh, the, the tentacles are blowing up the the sister ship of the cerritos and i just love that they're taking full advantage of the fact that yeah this is animated you can do crazy crap all the time and i think the animation you know it, it's modern it's cartoony but i think it's gorgeous <laughs> do you remember uh mariner's cardio uh oh god yes the 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 freaking escape uh, from the cardassians yeah escape from the cardassians that whole sequence take over the ship yeah that whole sequence was basically the intro 
and, and it could you been, imagine like, the... doing that in a live action show oh god no i mean like <laughs> ds9 would have come the closest but that would have been like a season's budget in one oh, yeah. crazy episode spaceship battles and escaping cardassian prisons and yep. phaser fights and oh my god yeah absolutely um and you're you're definitely not wrong like one of my favorite things has been um like they've taken a lot of license with characters and locations and all that good stuff but oh lord yeah they haven't honestly taken too many uh, they haven't gone too far offbeat with ship designs so everything is very on brand in that respect and i am super pleased by it Oh, same here. Again, just TOS designs everything. L cars, the the lighting yep. of the ships, the designs of the corridors, the engines, the 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 different ship uh, types that show up, mm-hmm. like the Titan, the uniforms. They have literally the the later TS uh the the movie TNG and DS9 uniforms on the characters. It's awesome. Oh, it's so good. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I really yeah. loved that sequence. I think you've probably watched it now, where they have to rescue the ship that's crashing into a planet. Mm, I don't know, actually. Which one? Uh, there was... I'm trying not to give too much away, but it was uh, Cerritos and another ship. Um, it was like a California class or something. Uh, going to make contact with some new planet and... Uh, the lead ship, the more advanced ship, the bigger ship, is disabled by some space anomaly. In order to reach them, uh, Cerritos has to, like, do weird shit. Isn't any of this sounding familiar? No, actually. This might be the latter part of Season 2. They okay, then I'm not going to say any more than that. <laughs> but there's there's a sequence coming up for you that is really, really cool with what they do with the ships. Um, and I think you'll enjoy it. Awesome. Anyway. Looking forward to it. Um. Yeah, so again, this isn't a full QQ review, so I have, I have one more thing to go out on. It is the simplest of things. Uh, any any other comments? Uh, nah. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's worth your time. Yeah, it's, it's fucking fantastic. Um, so the last thing I wanted to mention, and again, this just tells you the simplicity of why I think the show is such a beautiful torchbearer. Dude, the opening. The opening theme, the opening <laughs> montage... It's it's humorous, but it's also so it just captures all the original Star Trek openings with the ship. Yep. Again, just the horns, the ship flying through space. Yes, every one of those has a subvert your expectations funny, like the Cerritos losing power or almost crashing. But it's I I love the fucking theme song. I love the DS9 theme song. I love the TNG theme song. I even love the Voyager theme song. No one likes the Enterprise theme song. This is so, it's it's so evocative of that. It's so awesome, mm-hmm. and I it's so stupid to say I love the opening credits of a fucking TV show, but it's it is. Yep. Now you're you're absolutely right, and it's you know in in all the right ways they have framed this show as being Star Trek. Like if they wanted to, uh, you know change up and drop the comedy bits they would still have i think a pretty compelling case for a decent show i would probably change the animation style too but anyway yeah it it fits in with what you think of when you think of a star trek show uh so well and that opening sequence you're right it's hilarious i love it i'll i I don't ever skip it (laughs) it's no neither do i it's great 
it's short too like it's fine um beautiful 30 seconds but yeah no the music is all in the same chords it's uh really well done it just fits the theme which is kind of the theme it fits the theme yeah yeah okay uh so lower decks is great uh we'll love to talk about it more at some point more in depth you and i um again if you're a star trek fan can't recommend it enough you were right russell was right um if you're not a star trek fan i don't know how easy it's going to be to jump into it because it is so reference heavy so i i don't know you know using the qq score i mean i I think it's like a four versus like a three but i i don't know like i i don't know so um or sorry two q's versus one q like i i don't know how easy it would be to get into it if you weren't a fan honestly i think um you know imagine picking up the next generation for the first time without having watched the original series which I did. Uh, I hadn't seen much, if any, of the original series before Next Gen came on, and I was, you know, of an age to, you know, watch it and sit still through it. But um, yeah, you didn't need a ton of context, and they introduce you to a lot. Yeah, they make a lot of references, and they're definitely inside jokes. Uh, but honestly, you can appreciate those inside jokes, and if you don't, it's still fun. Like, just watching it as a standalone show, I think, would still be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, You know, everything that we've talked about is just, like, we appreciate in the context of being Star Trek fans. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's just a good show. I enjoy the hell out of it. But we're biased. Okay, so uh, let's move on, talk a little bit about Star Trek Picard. So I I didn't watch all of season one, but I I know all the spoilers and all the synopsis. I didn't watch season two, but I know all the spoilers. I know all the synopsis. I'm having a really hard time, Zach. I So I, I need to put out a couple of disclaimers before you and I get into this. And I genuinely want you to, to again, try to convince me to give it a shot because I just fucking can't. Um, so here's the disclaimers, okay? Uh, first of all, if anyone enjoys this, like Zach, you enjoy this. My friend Dave enjoys this. Look, man, I want people to enjoy things. Just because I don't like it, just because I'm ridiculously disappointed, it doesn't mean I don't want other people to enjoy it. Like, fucking enjoy it. It's great, okay? Um, and if if you're one of those people who doesn't enjoy it because it's only talking about politics or like Discovery, it's all about, you know, they think it's too much into to feminism or anything else. Seriously, I could not fucking disagree with you more. 100%. I think you need... I, I think if you're one of those people, you really need to reevaluate your perception of kind of the social landscape. I think you need to, I think you're lacking a bit of empathy. And I also think you're missing the point of a lot of Star Trek, which was always progressive, which is always liberal as fuck. It was a communist future on the Enterprise. Yeah, gay space communism. That's Star Trek to a T. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it, yeah. And, and the Golden Age Star Trek didn't, you said gay, like Golden Age Star Trek did not treat homosexuality the way that it should have. It it occasionally tried and it didn't it almost never succeeded but leaving that aside um i i actually the only reason i'm i'm actually pissed off at these people is just because i think their their disdain for those types of things the politics the the gender aspect of it is diluting my argument of the writing's bad <laughs> i don't want you to agree with me shut up yeah um so okay there's the disclaimer if that's why you don't like this seriously reevaluate what you think and why like i think you need to yeah Um, these are not the issue there's a real difference between criticizing the artistic intent and the artistic execution um well put you know we can talk about execution all day i have opinions i would probably agree with a lot of yours 
Um, personally, I think the intent shines through well enough for me. But uh, yeah, let's let's talk about it a little bit. Yeah. So uh, there was only two things I wanted to do here. I wanted to talk very high level about the writing. And then I wanted to talk specifically about Akiva Goldsmith, the uh, executive producer and one of the lead writers on Picard. I just, the the writing does not work for me. Uh, Chekhov's gun, they set things up, they don't pay off. I don't understand the character motivations. The entire sections of the plot seem to have really no bearing on other, on other pieces. Uh, like Picard, Picard's tragic backstory does not unlock something, it does not resolve something. There is no... Uh, like, you know, him defeating his trauma then helps Renee in some way. It, it, none, none of, like, it's all interwoven. Why is, you know, Guinan's there, but it seems only fan servicey to summon Q, who has almost no role in the show. Like, it just seems like a jumbled mess where there is no cohesion between the th- plot threads. They pick them up and they drop them at a whim. The, the, the symbolism is, at best, heavy-handed and ham-fisted, looking up and saying... Look at that, like traveling to 2024 and having the characters look up at the fires of L.A. and go, that is why climate change is bad. No shit. I obviously agree with you. I obviously don't like fascism. I obviously don't like a lot of the immigration policy and, and what's happening with ICE. But they're not doing anything to to take you along in some kind of like analog. So anyone who doesn't agree with these things, they're just going to watch the show and it's going to be like, well, I think you're stupid. Like, why don't they show, for example... Uh, an ICE officer who wants to do the right thing but but can't, is in the wrong job, or, or has empathy but but disagrees. Like they, they're doing nothing to bridge a gap. I think it's ham-fisted. And I just don't... Again, I agree with the message. I just think the writing is bad. And if, if it ends with, spoiler, because I don't care, the Borg Queen did everything we've ever seen in Star Trek because she was lonely, which never comes up until the, the 10 seconds they resolve it, and has nothing to do with anything else in the show. That is beyond stupid. <laughs> it's is beyond. It's bad writing for any villain. It's it's bad that they didn't set that up in any way, shape, or form, or have any kind of thematic payoff. And it is, boy, if we thought the Voyager neutered or spayed the Borg, this is. They did it all because you're lonely. Yeah, I guess you're right. Let's go start a commune. What? Huh? Um, I just think it's bad writing. That, that's it. I've said my piece. I want to talk about it again, Akiva Goldsmith. Zach, disagree with me, please. So, the bit about the Borg Queen, um, you're absolutely right. Like, spot on. Just, I cannot believe that that's Damn the it. direction that they ended up going with her. I kind of only hope there's redemption in that arc. Uh, in, like, reverse redemption, I hope that she turns out to actually be just fucking evil. Um, I can sort of try to, you know, do the extended universe thing of just like oh it was Girardi's influence and all that but we don't but that's not what they go with it's not even that they're a hybrid now it's just you were lonely I guess you were right well yeah but they kind of become that hybrid in the last it's a thing um I know so yeah it's (sighs) my instinct is to want to justify it but it's not really (laughs) justifiable is my point like you could say it's Girardi's influence but we don't spend enough time with her to really know a whole lot in depth of what it is that she's thinking and feeling and going through I'm not upset by the dance sequence who cares that's fine right again that's not the issue like that's that was goofy but DS some of DS9's highlights were goofy when they Mm -hmm. heist the casino right like they play a baseball game that's fine 
the um the thing that I do like that they did um was one of the things that you brought up like the first couple two or three episodes go through having our uh South American character go through being arrested by ice and yeah like the treatment of minority communities in the near future there are no sympathetic authority figures in any of that i would say that's the point like a cab is kind of the message there i just feel like it's a lost opportunity because again if someone who is conservative and pro ice watches this they have no reason to think twice about their position and if someone liberal watches this it is just kind of like positive reinforcement bias and it doesn't make you consider individual motivation and so i just see it as a horribly missed opportunity despite my completely agreeing with them which i think is you know that emphasizes the missed opportunity yeah and that's an opinion that's an opinion it it it's a valid one. I mean, I, I can see where you're coming from, but I also kind of respect the choice. Like, Fair enough. Fine. The idea with this near future analog is to not necessarily show how bad things can get or how bad things will get. Um, they're showing shit that's happening now. Yeah, true. And that, to me, I think is still a valid thing to to do and and talk about and it's a very star trek thing to do so i I I think usually star trek tries to use aliens to again to to well metaphorical the whole get you out of the reality the whole second season is a voyage home um there is even a scene on the bus where they have the dude playing the the same same song and it's the same actor uh which i I don't mind the fan service again whatever no, not at can, all. Can we can we stay on the ice thing for one second? Again, yeah. uh, just cor- correct me. I, I want to know that I'm wrong, frankly. Um, that subplot seems to disappear. It's how Rios meets the Doctor, who will later treat Picard. But that seems to be it. There doesn't seem to be another point. It doesn't seem to affect Rios and his character development. It doesn't seem to get called back to. It seems to be a plot thread. They pick up, and then they drop. And it seems to have no real bearing thematically no real bearing on events it doesn't seem to matter that they do that um and maybe that's okay but i just feel like that's the writing throughout almost all of it is we do a thing and then we're done the thing and it didn't it didn't affect the characters it didn't affect the story it didn't affect the plot it didn't unlock the mystery we do a thing and then it's resolved yeah well i mean to be fair i think if they had made it any more integral to everything else going on um it would have felt pretty contrived well like the scene where they're going through and yeah he goes to the clinic because you know they're transporters on the fritz everybody gets beamed to different locations he happened to get beamed 25 feet in the air so yeah somebody picks him up takes him to a clinic he gets patched up gets his head back together and then ice breaks in and now he has to go through this whole thing and they have to go and find rioche and all that good stuff. Um, like, yeah, some of it's a B-plot. Some of it's very much relevant to Rios in the moment. They don't necessarily call back to it, except that, you know, <laughs> in dialogue, ah, what are you doing back here? You got my clinic raided. You didn't have enough fun with the with the cops. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, 
I'm trying to think of a way that that could have had more to do with what was going on. I don't think it was an unreasonable thing to happen. It seemed like a pretty natural thing to happen and a good opportunity to show, you know, this near future kind of sucks for immigrants. And hey, maybe be aware of that. Like, this isn't far off from reality. Like, it didn't go far if uh, out of its way at all. I, again, I'm not... I'm not disagreeing with you i just i can't take the next step it just doesn't seem to again narratively weave back into anything again rios as a character doesn't seem to really have an arc related to that and the events didn't unlock anything it was just Mm. a, a diversion and you can argue that in old trek it was episodic as fuck characters didn't a ds9 had amazing arcs ds9 had tie back in but you could argue that again the golden age didn't have that at all with tng or voyager and you could say that's the thing here but they're doing such serial storytelling i i feel like they're you know what is it they they it's not have their cake and want to eat it too they're they're just like doing serial storytelling without taking any advantage of it or understanding the whole mm-hmm. point and so i just yeah. again i'm not disagreeing with you i just can't take the second step to say oh and then that was what's useful the payoff to the series yeah what's the payoff uh if any and I can totally see where you're coming from. Um, yeah, it's kind of the same way with Picard's whole inner journey. Exactly. And uh, that exploration of his past and memories and dealing with trauma. Honestly, I really love those sequences. Um, and I think his... yeah, you know, that's That's been kind of the theme for the whole second season is, hey, Picard's a little fucked up, it turns out. And uh, maybe he should be in therapy. And at one point, Baltar is his therapist. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and, Thanks, oh, Jen his Cables. father. Um, also get... Alucard. Yeah. So that's honestly hilarious and cool. <laughs> but um, but again, like, what the... what does that have to do with the larger story? Well, that's that kind doesn't... of... It's kind of begging the question. Um, well, it's literally the question that I'm begging. The point is... <laughs> We don't really know, because the last episode of the season is releasing tomorrow. I don't think it has anything to do with anything. I don't think that's going to help him resolve Renee's anxiety. I don't think it has anything to do with what Q was testing him for. I don't think we're going to look back at any of Picard's actions and recontextualize them. And this is a person who mental health is a very important thing to me, and I've lost someone very important to me to, to suicide. You'd think I would be very on board with trying to expose that. So again, individual components... Sure, but I don't see how this has any bearing on basically anything. Yeah, and that's fair. Honestly, I'm kind of hoping that the season finale weaves a lot of those threads back together and makes it make sense. Like, there's a lot of make it make sense. Um, I, I have so little faith and in there's... Kurtzman and Goldsmith. I just have basically zero. Basically I zero. I know. I... So when Actually, I, I have cynicism, a negative one. Yeah. When I heard about what they were planning to do, you know, in in broad strokes uh, for season two, you know, bringing Q back and having them go on a time travel adventure, you know, it, it seemed like, gosh, what a great opportunity to radically alter the fabric, the foundation of that universe. A universe that's, you know, gotten kind of small over the decades. Um, 
Yeah, going back and rewriting stuff with time travel, sure, that's a trope. There was a chance there, I think, to do something meaningful and cool and open up a lot more room for new stories that they didn't take. And I don't honestly blame them. I think it would have been probably a little too ambitious, especially with the crew that's on it. Bless their hearts. That's a disappointment to me. But um, there's still, I think, a lot of good in this second season. There's uh, interesting background to like how things came to be in the first season, how that alternate future that Q showed uh, came about, but also just you know the threads that they were playing with in the first season of Picard. Um, well, it, you know, it's really it's really weird. Daughters. It's really weird to predicate the whole thing on the butterfly effect of you know Rene Picard not going to to was it Europa, Titan, whatever it was. It's really weird to predicate the whole thing on the butterfly effect and then kill like 50 fucking humans and soldiers and bystanders at bars and like murder a lot of people. Sure. <laughs> and well, free people from prison and be like, yeah, none of that in a butterfly. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty bad writing. Well, in it's, my not, opinion. it's not honestly that out of left field. Like, um, Is it though? Well, it's not. The... Transparent aluminum was the one thing. <laughs> there's uh there's even oh what was it i think it was uh doctor who actually names these things they're like fixed points in time events that for whatever reason are unalterable or unassailable or just kind of must happen um and it's the same idea here like there are consequences sure yeah and you know having a borg queen infect 50 mercenaries and killing them all off sure that's got to have some impact somewhere but there are still those key individuals those key moments that mean a lot that you know history can hinge on that's not outside the realm of possibility even in storytelling so i don't fault it for that specifically i just don't think any of it works and i think at best it's their reach exceeds their grasp and i just I wouldn't even say that. Okay. Again, if you like it, I'm glad you like it. I just I just have not been able to. Um okay, so I, I briefly wanted to talk about Akiva Goldsmith. Um so do you wanna do you wanna say anything else about Picard before we move on? I have <laughs> kind of pinned my hopes on the season finale of season two. Good I've, fucking luck. I've enjoyed the ride so far, but there needs to be payoff, and if we don't get it this last episode i'll be right there with you you know pitchforks and all well and that's the thing like at this point you know they have the whole tng crew uh coming back for the next season and i'm just kind of like please don't like i don't want you to you know air quotes ruin my the, the characters that i care so much about um that's right are we like, uh, I, are we gonna spend time on the titan Right? I don't think we're going to. I don't think we're going to have the fun we just talked about in Lower Decks. I think it's going to be dour. And I don't know that I want to see this. Because I don't trust the writers. Uh, I Whatever. Oh, no. Sorry. The next Star Trek Picard novel is a prequel set on the USS Titan with Riker and Troy. So, <laughs> if you're into Star Trek novelizations... I mean, I don't know. A lot of novelizations have often done very well for sci-fi universes. Hello, Star Wars EU. Yep. But, okay. Uh, let's move on to talk about Akiva Goldsmith. So I'm going to send you a link. All right. Okay. A lot of writing credit. 
Yeah. So look, this guy is a uh, Academy Award winning writer. And he is the executive producer, I think, one of, if not the only writer on Star Trek Picard. So I'm about to take shots at a guy who has won an Academy Award and I'm not a writer. So I'm going to acknowledge that up front. I mean, to be fair, A Beautiful Mind was great. And that's what I want to talk about here is this guy looking at his filmography, looking at the reviews correlated with these films. I And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to pick on him. OK, like I, I do apologize. But if you look at basically everything he's written where he was in charge of it, it is fucking bad. <laughs> like if you read like you don't have to click into it. Right. But if you click into the client, Silent Fall, they're panned for their writing. Batman Forever. Not going to tell you it's the best writing. A Time to Kill won a Golden Raspberry Award. Uh, Batman Robin won a Golden Raspberry Award. Lost in Space, not known for its writing. Um, and then all of a sudden you get to Beautiful Mind, and it's just an adaptation. It's not a reimagining. It's not using living in someone, playing one else's one sandbox. It's just an adaptation, mm-hmm. and he gets an award. Yep. We keep going down. I, Robot, not great. Cinderella Man, if you actually look into that, again, based on a story. Um, but he got an award for a screenplay. Da Vinci Code, an adaptation of a book, right? I Am Legend, it it altered the writing, was critically panned. If you just, if you look at this, you know, Rings, Transformer, The Last Night, The Dark Tower, it seems like anytime he takes any liberty with anything or creates his own, it's terrible. It seems like he is just capable of adapting things. So is this a failing up situation? I, I don't know. But Again, trying to actually do some homework into, I'm complaining about the writing, but the writing was written by an Academy Award winning writer. Seems like a place that's hard to start an argument, right? But I looked into it, and I'm not fucking impressed. And I, that makes me an armchair critic, I know, but I just, I don't know. I feel kind of validated by everything this guy does, seemingly, that oh. is not, that is original, is fucking bad. So, here's, mm, oh, mm. So here's a smoking gun. Um, was an executive producer for the Star Trek short treks. Not a writer. And I know a lot of people that like the short treks. Did not you a writer. Did you never watch any of them? I watched some of them. I didn't watch all of them. They're really, really good. Yeah, not and a I writer. Liked, and I like that they weave them back into the second season of Discovery. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, sure. Shorts. They were, you know, what? 10, maybe 15 minutes? Uh... And in a lot of cases, didn't honestly have a ton of dialogue. But the scene setting and atmosphere alone is part of the writer's job, right? So that was really good. Executive producer, not writer or director. Again, I'm just not impressed. Now, what gives me a little bit of hope is if you look down at the TV section, he is only the writer of one episode of Strange New Worlds. So I'm hoping... That he and his writing staff are focusing only on Picard. I'm hoping the Discovery staff is focusing on Discovery. And I'm hoping that the people running Strange New Worlds are a, a you know, a new branch. There's only I'm one hoping. episode that we know of. Is he the writer and director of that first episode? God, I hope not. Let's check. Are these numbers going to go up over time? Anyway. Directed by Akiva Goldsmith. Son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, the, first, the first four have written by and director and the rest are tba so maybe i'm screwed yeah written by akiva goldsmith alex kurtzman and jenny lummett who i don't know oh god damn it okay here's the thing um let's i I did want to make us watch one more clip in a moment but uh let's just talk about strange new worlds for a second 
a lot of hope for this. Scott Calora, the Star Trek guy at IGN, who also has been co-hosting the Transporter Room 3 podcast for like a decade, said it's the, his, it's a, he gave it a 9 out of 10, said it's his favorite new Star Trek show of the whole new lineup. So I'm holding out hope that going back to basics, going back to formula, you know, Starship, Optimism, Weekly Adventures, I'm hoping that it's fun and it's good because I just... We talked about Lower Decks and how I was having yeah. fun with Lower Decks. I have not had fun with Discovery. Discovery, actually, there's a lot of good, especially in the first, you know, season to two seasons, and then I kind of petered out. But, like, there's a lot of good in there. But on the whole, I'm not having fun with it. When I have fun is when I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to fucking have fun with Star Trek. Yep. I mean, I've enjoyed the last season of Discovery, but I'm going to enjoy it no matter what because I'm kind of invested. <laughs> yeah. Um. I like the characters. I like how they play off each other. I like the um, the relationships that they've developed over time. The big bad of season three uh, was definitely interesting, and uh, the solution to it was, I mean, it was pretty on brand for Star Trek. But there's some moments in the action sequences that I'm just like, what the fuck were you the, thinking? Yeah, the the turbo lifts the... that are now magically in a fourth dimensional world i don't even know what to tell you even that made sense but no it did not leaving the galaxy in gravitational bubbles was fucking weird man (laughs) i don't know i i don't i've had a hard time there's elements of discovery i've liked and there's probably more that i haven't which sucks but there's a lot of good in discovery it just especially again the the season plot arcs Mm -hmm. the pacing sucks but there's there's good in Discovery. I'm not as against Discovery as I really have been horribly disappointed with Picard. Honestly, um, I'm mostly into Discovery for the uh, camera work and the scenes that they put together. It's the best look in Star Trek. It's it looks so, amazing. Picard is so, so drab and basic compared yeah, to Yeah, I know. But, um, yeah, no, I wish that uh, it, it feels like we're <laughs> we're ramping up on having a lot more Star Trek content. And I am not uh not weary of it like you know if we get to a point where we've got new star trek for whatever series every week of the year i'm gonna be stoked but um i do kind of wish that we had gotten more of the mcu treatment like the the last phase mcu treatment for star trek like yeah no do something experimental and cool picard yeah have at it do something episodic and you know on formula, it just as a baseline. Like do the safe thing, do the experimental thing, do the safe thing, then do the experimental thing, and just alternate. Which I would be okay with. I, I we've talked about that. The Marvel formula seems to really work in that regard. I just I am leery. I am wary, leery, whatever. I'm just glad that I'm enjoying Lower Decks. I'm glad to finally be truly enjoying something in the mm-hmm. Silver Age. Yeah, because Moon Disco fucking weird. I've had a hard time with. In a really hard cool I don't way. like yeah I want to like I like lower decks I want to like strange new worlds we're gonna see um I think it'll be I, I think it'll be much more up your alley yeah I'm looking I hope forward so. to it as well yeah. um okay by the way you said disco looks great and it is I think disco is probably the best looking so again I love the golden era aesthetic but disco is probably the best looking Star Trek it's much, so pretty period. people really don't like the ship discovery and I kind of get it but it's grown on me a lot. Yeah, what I was going to say is just that I think Strange New Worlds looks fucking amazing. Hello, mm-hmm. bridge porn. 
Um, yep. But also, if they watched, they released the opening credits, mm, and it's yeah. just gorgeous. Again, same thing I was saying about Lower Decks. It's just fucking gorgeous. And like, yeah, I'd like some spaceships and, and you know, spatial phenomena in my freaking spaceship show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that was one of the things. Yeah, you know, we've talked about Star Trek a lot over years. Um, one of the things that I remember mentioning at one point was like one of the one of the things that Star Trek is, is one of the things that makes Star Trek work. I think is that um, is when they treat the ship as a character. Absolutely. Uh, Discovery does the... that super literally. <laughs> yes. Uh, which I'm I'm grateful for, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of. But um, and Picard doesn't even remotely do. Uh, nope. What is the name of the ship? Uh, La Sorrenta. La Sorrenta. Yeah. Did you know that in the first season? Because well, honestly, that wasn't really their ship. It just kind of reappeared. Yeah. Um. It was Rios's ship. Uh. Which sure, absolutely. Yeah. But um. Was was episode one of Picard season two just a gigantic tease that ultimately turned into a middle finger? Because they have Federation ships, they have the Academy, Picard's a commandant, they have the Stargazer, Rios is a captain. It's like, wow, this is great. I am into it. And then it's just like, oh, wait, huh, you thought this was about spaceships. Get out. <laughs> Travel time. Here's Q yeah. to fuck up your day. Goddamn yeah. you, Q. Oh, God, but his entrance. Every time he's on Which screen, was great. I'm so, Which was I'm great. so grateful. I'm not going to tell you it's not nuggets of good in there. There's fucking yeah. nine episodes of multi-million dollar episodes you'd, you'd think there's going to be. Okay, so I wanted to go out on... Uh, I love Red Letter Media. I think they're fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, again, occasionally controversial, but fucking hilarious. And uh, they've been doing reviews of Star Trek Picard. And it's it, it's it's funny, but it's also depressing. Because like, they're at the point where at the end of the last episode, they were like... Uh, the main guy, Mike Staclasso, was saying he can't separate new Trek from old Trek anymore, which is actually making, eroding his love for the old Trek, which I think is so sad. I, I still can separate them. So as much as I'm not into the Silver Age, that hasn't tarnished the Golden Age for me. But it makes me sad that if you were a huge fan, that would tarnish it. I think that sucks. Um, but the whole thing here was just that he does a speech in the middle of one of his reviews that's fucking hilarious, and I wanted you and I to watch it because <laughs> I just want to, I want to, I, I want to see if you laugh. And he's making fun of the modern Picard speech. He loves the old Picard speeches. He thinks they're amazing. He can quote them. But this is he's, him satirizing a new Picard speech. Are you ready? I'm ready. Play. On your soul, we wish we could backtrack them all. It's... Into the infinite... I'm not done with my dialogue. Into the infinite cosmos of time. Time echoes like a butterflies wings when we see things <laughs> that that change us as the people we once were but will soon become or grow into if we reverse the time into our lives we have to recognize the moments that we share with each other now are priceless. And if we take those moments in time and we appreciate them and love them and truly realize 
when we look up at the night sky and see the stars as they are, those stars once were different stars. And we realize in here we become something new. Wait, hold on. I, I, my phone is ringing. I think they're calling me to write for Star Trek Picard. We become something new. Wait, hold on. I, I, my phone is ringing. I think they're calling me to write for Star Trek Picard. Okay, that was it. <laughs> uh, yeah, not too far off, to be honest. I have thoughts. Well, this is your chance. I, I just thought it was funny because, again, it just doesn't... A lot of the writing I've seen thus far has not felt substantive. It has felt like that. But what what is your take? Do you think that satire is... I think it's fucking hilarious, but what's your take? It's it's honestly pretty spot on. Um, so if your point about bad writing was just about Picard's dialogue, I would absolutely be on board with you. But here's the thing. With the end of the last Next Generation movie, or at least the last good one. Um, do you know which one I'm talking about? Mm, uh, Insurrection? <laughs> Fuck you. Um, what? I don't mind Insurrection. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, start, yeah, I guess Picard has a son. That's cool. Sure. Um, no, at the end of First Contact, um, there's that... Uh, bit where he's in the ready room trying to reconfigure a phaser rifle to fight the Borg and Oh, no, no, yeah, no you're talking about Ahab, he and Lily are arguing uh, about falling back. Yeah, and uh, he, he recites Moby Dick and then changes his mind uh, after that, you know, Which, really emotional conversation. Can, can we acknowledge is a great example, I was talking earlier about, you know, are any of these characters' journeys playing into the story? Mm -hmm. What you just cited, I, I was actually thinking about the other day, so I'm so glad you brought it up. Mm -hmm. That is the character's journey, the character's arc now affects the fucking story. Picard has to get over his anger and he has to get over it. And when he does, he makes the right decision that's going to save everyone. Yep. It's a character journey that impacts the fucking story. <laughs> yep. I feel like they're trying to set that up in Picard season two, but that's beside my point. Um, the way that Picard has been written, or at least the way that he's that uh, Patrick Stewart is um, playing that character, you know, having it, Picard was never young in any of these series. Uh, now he's even older. Oh yeah. And the kind of delivery that he's giving to Picard is very much in line with that aging process. And I do appreciate, on at least this level, that they've let this character age, you know, and shown that Picard is old. <laughs> they haven't tried to make him keep that same energy that he had in The Next Generation or those movies. Uh, honestly, Patrick Stewart doesn't have it, and that's entirely yeah. fine and understandable and good, even. No, I, I, I'm not. I'm not Picard's mad about that development. Either. I like that he's aged, and I think that his mode of speech delivery is in keeping with that. Now, the speech itself, the words that they've written for him, god damn it, 
but I, I don't fault Patrick Stewart or his delivery of you know how Picard is in this series. I, I just this goes back to you know I, I don't know if it's insulting, but like geriatric theater, you know, can Indiana Jones not die? How many people have to be you know sixty years old in the Terminator movies? Yeah. I, I just Patrick Stewart is still a very good actor. Uh, it's just I. I think it's his fine. character is not carrying the fucking show. No, and I don't think that he's. Well, honestly, that's that's been kind of part of the journey for me is watching him slowly kind of slip aside. Like he's very much trying to maintain control in a lot of the episodes that he's in, in the way that he conducts himself. He's used to being in command, and he is very almost too slowly. I think coming to the realization that he's not in command anymore. He's not the leader of this group as much as he wants to be, or even as much as they want him to be. Um, And if that's the payoff that we get, if that's the realization that he comes to that, Hey, maybe I'm, you know, a little more broken than I present myself to be. And maybe that's okay. And maybe it's okay to be old. I think that's a very Star Trek theme. But it's still Kurtzman and Goldsman, so who fucking knows? I know. I don't think... If that's the theme, which I would agree with you is a good theme, I don't think it's what they're going for. (laughs) Okay. Okay, enough about me complaining. All right, we're not going to watch the Strange New Worlds trailer because it's a month old and this is podcast all going really long. So, okay. Uh, Tonight's sponsor. Do do you want to watch it, though? I mean, yeah. You want to watch it? (laughs) I've got the time. It's a really good trailer. All right, there's a link. I knew it. I knew you had it. I came prepared. <laughs> yeah, come on. What is this? Two minutes, maybe? All right, all right. Oh, God. When you and I talk Star Trek, goes forever. Okay, ready? Yep. Play. Mm, the warp in. Got that fucking hair. Protest? Argument in a Senate? <laughs> I, I love Pike's charisma. I know. He's so good. This is your captain. Our mission. To chart the stars. Push the boundaries of what is known. And what is possible. Again, his intro discovery with ranks don't matter go around the room. I love this job. Mm-hmm. That right there, I love this job. Like, I, I just like this character. I like this character. I want to hang out with this guy. I want this guy to be my boss. I believe we can. I want more number one. That too. Rebecca Romaine's been awesome. Can't wait to see her. She also has charisma. Go where the aliens are. Your presence is blasphemy. Let's talk about this. Find some comfort. I think that went well. Again, all of this feels like Star Trek to me. We're meeting alien races. You're in first contact. We get a couple of jokes. You know, starships. Gosh. Fucking starships! You know what would be great for this series if Maybe they have anything else? Just a suggestion. Anything to say about like the arrogance of it? One can only follow one's instinct. I don't know. Maybe. You're the best of stars. But again, I I like the that optimism of hey, we're out there again. They're they're trying to learn about the current human condition by comparing us to other alien races who are, you know, generally, you know, allegories for our flaws. 
but saying we can be more than that. I like the fucking optimism. You call it arrogance, but I like optimism. Oh, no. There's a lot of there's a lot of optimism in that. But I think being humbled and overcoming that and getting past it and still, you know, being okay with your flaws would be something that these characters would be really well positioned <laughs> to get that message across. Yeah. Uh, but it looks like so much fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Same here. I'd want it to be good. I want it to be good. I want it to be good. Again, I want to like these things. Okay. Cool. Uh, dear listener, our sponsor this evening. After these messages, we'll be right back. It's fucking Paramount Plus. No shit. We are shilling for them so hard right now. So I have nothing to add. Hard. I don't care. Let's get to the news. Go f*** yourself, San Diego. Zach, we have one thing in the news. It's May 4th. So we have to do this. We have to do it. Ready? Oh, God. Uh, There's your link. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about the uh, mobile gaming thing. Let's see. Uh, The the Square Enix thing is huge news. Uh, What's going on in America right now that's setting us back to the 1800s is sad fucking news that I just refuse to talk about. I'm so pissed off. This is a May the 4th headline, baby, and we're going to watch it on cast. Zach, what are we watching? Oh, it's the Obi-Wan Kenobi official trailer. Yay! Yay! I haven't seen it yet. Have you seen it? Uh, No, actually. I was going to watch it earlier, but I got busy, so... Perfect. Yes. Okay, let's fucking do this. Will we actually see Obi-Wan in this trailer? Again, so far, all I've liked in new Star Wars is Mando. So, will this be good? Fuck if I know. But I love Ewan McGregor. Oh, they've got the uh, the Inquisitors. Which is cool, using EU stuff. Leave us alone. When the time comes, he must be trained. Like you trained his father. Ooh. That was a burn. Sick burn. burn. You still want Kenobi. He's gone. Did you check your old house? Oh, shit. I want every lowlife and bounty hunter to squeeze him. You can't wait, Obi-Wan! The six-part event. Is that going to break canon if those two meet again? Mm. If Obi-Wan faces off against Darth Vader, does that break canon? The whole, last time we met, I was you, but the learner. You know, I don't know. I kind of don't care, but even, yeah, fair enough. even if it, if they just get close enough, then they haven't really met. Uh, if they <laughs> were in the same room, or maybe uh, Obi-Wan sees the cape uh as he makes his escape or something i don't know i don't know again i don't have high expectations for this i haven't been that into new star wars except mando which i fucking love yep um but we'll see we'll see it was may the 4th we had to watch the trailer dude had to had to happen yeah absolutely i think it's gonna be fun um looking forward to it if they treat obi-wan the same way that they've treated uh ahsoka so far then I think we'll be very happy with it. And yeah. Yeah. All right. 
Well, cool. Dear listener, thank you so very much for joining us. Uh, I think we'll be back next week, maybe with a, a third with Ruli. We'll go back to the standard cast. But Zach, I loved stalking Star Trek with you, man. Thank you so much. Uh, we always run long when we do. Uh, again, I'd love to get more into Lower Decks, uh, talk about Strange New Worlds at some point. Um, I'm glad we touched on Picard. I just, again, I wish I could like it. I just don't. You know, I'll let you know how the last episode goes. Because I might internet just be, will let me like I said... <laughs> pitchforks and torches as well yep 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 but my expectations are low yep 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 yep. oh anyway all right zach thanks again yeah it's always fun all right dear listener until next time engage your qqs and make it so punch it (laughs) execute uh what is what does the the captain of the cerritos say oh Oh, uh it's not let's fly warp it warp it warp me warp it or something and what is what is rikers uh jazz uh oh gosh what was that that was so good damn it (laughs) we're so bad at this i'm i'm looking it up riker lower decks catchphrase um (laughs) i've killed greater men for i've killed better men for less no you haven't well i've threatened to kill better men for about the same (laughs) uh Please let me blow up the warp core. I've been very good this month. <laughs> what is what does Riker say to go to warp? God damn it, we gotta end the cast. Know. We gotta end the cast. I don't know. Fuck. Uh, your warp decks. I like we're both Googling furiously <laughs> so we can end the fucking podcast. <sighs> we're so bad at this. I'm gonna go find it's warp time now. That's not it. Oh, there it is. There it is. There it is. I found it. I found it. I found it. All right, dear listener. Give me QQ factor of five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hey, dear listener, thank you so very much for joining us. Please always remember that any views expressed on the podcast should be taken in context and are representative solely of the person expressing them. They are not representative of their friends and family, their co-hosts, their co-workers, and certainly not of their employers, past, present, or future. So again, thank you for joining us, and thanks for respecting our individuality. I just got bored. Everybody out.